Chapter twenty three of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter twenty three. Jimmy muffs the ball. It will sometimes happen that young gentlemen, skipping confident, even under their lucky star, will get a fall. Fortune had been too constant to Jimmy not to be ready to turn her fickle face away the moment he wasn't looking but such is the rashness born of success and a bounding heart that young blood leaps to its doom smiling as it were on the faithless lady's back jimmy had no forebodings but rioted gorgeously in returning health in a whole pack of new emotions and in what he supposed to be his lady's favour aleck more philosophical took his happiness with a more quiet gusto not provoking the frown of the gods but for jim the day of reckoning was coming one day aleck joined him walking up and down the porch jim was in one of his boyish cocksure moods i know what you're going to say he began before aleck could spring his news you're going to marry the princess just so said aleck how'd you know clairvoyance nope well you needn't look so high and mighty about it old man why don't you do the same thing yourself then we'll have a double wedding i've thought of that said jim as the two men talked agatha and melanie both dressed in white strolled side by side down the garden path toward the wall they were deep in conversation their backs turned toward the veranda i don't see that they look so much alike announced jim who had but recently learned all the causes and effects of the chatelard business aleck's eyes gleamed which one as they stand there now do you take to be miss redmond he asked one on the left answered jim promptly aleck gave a signalling whistle which caused both the women quickly to turn agatha was on the right aleck grinned broadly so that yahoo of a frenchman wasn't so stupid after all i'd like to get my hands on him muttered jim frenchmen or not there's going to be a wedding right here in the old red house on wednesday said aleck hoopla i knew that was it and then melanie and i are going to cruise back to new york awfully sorry but you're not invited you couldn't get me aboard any gilt-edged yacht that floats at jimmy's words wholly untrue by the way aleck's happy mood suddenly dimmed as he thought of the dangers and anxieties of the past month he turned and laid an arm boy fashion over jim's shoulder pulling his hair as his hand went by you're a fool of a kid he said choking when jim looked into his cousin's face he knew oh i say old man it wasn't so bad as all that Alex stiffened up. Who said anything about its being bad? You'd better get some togs to wear at the wedding. I'm going to need these clothes myself. It turned out, actually enough, that the wedding was to come off on a certain Wednesday in September. Would you like New York and a bishop and a big church better than the old red house and the Charlesport minister? Alec anxiously asked of Melanie. Oh, no, she protested, and Alec knew she was sincere so they prepared to terminate their holidays by celebrating the wedding in the pine grove melanie 
spent the intervening days happily with agatha or walking with aleck or with the delightful group that foregathered in parson thayer's library jimmy made extravagant and highly colored verses to to the bride-to-be to sally kingsbury and even to himself his feet were often lame but he solemnly assured the company that it was entirely due to circumstances over which he had no control a wedding was a wedding said he and should have its bard also its dancers and its minstrels we'll have all our friends in ilion anyway said aleck they counted up the list besides the occupants of the house and those from the hillside there would be dr thayer susan stoddard and angie big and little simon and the lawyer and they're all going to dance with the bride announced jim after me i'm first choice a dance led so to speak by the elusive monsieur chatelard the name alone made jimmy wroth it's a dance for which he will pay the fiddler yet he prophesied oh he's gone this time scared out of the country for keeps was aleck's expressed opinion but that it might or might not be so was what they all secretly thought the day before the wedding was a jewel of a day such as new england at her best can fling into the lap of early autumn a wind from the sea blocks of white clouds scudding across the sapphire sky and a sun all kindness such was the day it was never a weather breeder either but steady promising good for the morrow many times during the week james and chamberlain and agatha had their heads together planning surprises for the bridal pair the result was that on tuesday jim and chamberlain borrowed the white motor-car loaded it down with a large variety of junk such as food from sally's kitchen flowers and so on and started for charlesport they ran down to the wharf transferred their loot to the rowboat and pulled out to the seagull swinging at her mooring in deep water a half-hour of work and the yacht was dressed for festival there were strings of flags to stretch from bow to masthead and to stern pennants for topmasts the stars and stripes in beautiful silk for a standard and a gorgeous banner with an embroidered a and m intertwined for special occasions flowers were placed in the cabins and food in the lockers the seamen had been aboard made the yacht clean and chipshape as a war vessel on parade and had got permission to leave for their last night ashore everything was in readiness even to the laying of the fire in the engine hold the bride and groom were to come aboard the next day about noon and cruise down the coast leisurely as weather permitted hand in charge of the white motor-car with madame Renier, chamberlain agatha and jimmy were to start for new york touring as long as their inclination lasted the sophisticated lizzie was to travel to what was for her the centre of the universe by the fastest pullman jimmy and chamberlain on the way home from their visit to the seagull came very near being confidential i want to say mr hamilton that i shall never forgive myself for bungling about that chatelard business as i understand the matter it wasn't your bungling but the sheriff's it's all the same conceded mr chamberlain mournfully and in my opinion the frenchman's not done with his tricks yet he's a dangerous character mr hamilton jim laughed remembering certain incidents on the jeanne d'arc do you know chamberlain continued i'm convinced the bloomin beggar is hiding about here somewhere 
i'm glad aleck is getting away i thought the evidence favored the theory that chatelard had made straight for new york not a bit of it. aleck and i let you all believe that for the sake of the ladies but the evidence is all the other way we would surely have caught him if he had been on any of the new york trains i believe he's about here and means mischief yet if he's about here there's no doubt about the mischief i'm going down to-night to bunk on the seagull aleck let the men off to go to a sailor's dance over on one of the islands they'll probably be at it all night so i'm going back why not let me go i'm fit as a fiddle you've had your full share of nasty detective work not at all i'm booked to see this thing through all right laughed jimsy but if you change your mind let me know arriving at the house the men found it deserted windows were open and doors unlatched but no one not even danny responded to jim's call chamberlain started for the hillside in the car and jim wandered about lonesomely wondering where everybody was with jim as in most cases everybody meant one person and presently sally appearing slowly from the upper regions gave him his clue he started nimbly for the pine wood the wagon road stretched alluringly into the sun-flecked shade of the grove a hush like that of primeval day threw its uncanny influence over the world jim felt something tugging at his spirit that was unfamiliar disquieting he began to whistle just for company and in a moment as if at a signal call danny came along the path sedately trotting to meet him hello old partner so this is where you are danny said yes and led jim into the clearing and up to a pine stump where everybody sat quite alone chin propped on hand no singing no book or did jimmy imagine it a spirit decidedly quenched her eyelids were red and her face was pale so dear lady i have found you but i was listening for the song there is no song to-day agatha's manner resembled an arctic breeze may one ask why one cannot always be singing no why not i could if i could agatha was obliged to relax a trifle at jimmy's foolishness but only to reveal more and more distinctly a wretchedness of spirit that was quite baffling it was not feminine wretchedness waiting for a masculine comforter either as james observed with regret it was a stoical spirit braced to meet a blow or to deal one jimmy was not used to being snubbed and instinctively prepared for vigorous protest he began with a little preliminary diplomacy you haven't inquired what i'm going to do with the remainder of my holiday he remarked i supposed you would return soon to lynn shall we walk back to the house the unkind words were spoken in a rare sweet voice courteously enough jim looked at the speaker a moment then emphatically said no it is quite time i was returning have you anything there to do that is more important than listening to me for fifteen minutes agatha did not pretend not to understand him she turned toward him with unflinching eyes truth to say yes mr hambleton i have i don't wish to listen to anything oh if you feel like that your mr hambleton is enough to strike me dumb believe me it is the best way again 
may one ask why you are going back to your own people to your own work and i to mine but that's the very point my idea was to to combine them i guessed it jimmy smiled his ingenuous smile as he suavely asked and don't you um like the idea agatha turned her wretched white face toward him into it there had come a grim determination that left jimmy quite out in the cold i have no choice in liking or disliking it she said quite evenly but there are plenty of reasons why i can't think of it and you shouldn't think of it any more i assure you you are making a mistake she got up as if ready to walk away her face averted agatha at the name she turned to jim as much as to say she would be quite reasonable if he would be but her face suddenly flushed gloriously agatha dear hear me i did not intend to tell you all my secret to-day not until i should be on neutral ground so to speak but i can't let you leave me this way you will have to i am going back to the house up to this point james had merely been playing tag as it were the game wasn't really on a little skirmishing on either side was in order but agatha's last words were the call to action they roused the ghost of some old hamilton ancestor who meant not to be beaten jim squared himself in the middle of the path touched agatha's shoulder with the lightest most respectful finger and requested but i would ask you as a special favor to stay a few minutes longer jim's tongue left agatha no choice she sat down again on the pine stump but she could not meet jimmy's eyes he stood a few feet away from her when he spoke his voice was firm and steady ringing with earnestness there was no doubt now but that he was in the game for all he was worth agatha you shall not turn me down like this wait until you know me better and know yourself better you've had no time to think this matter over and it involves a good deal i admit but we have lived through a good deal together in these few weeks i am here i'm here to stay you can't say now dear that you care nothing for me can you what is the use of all this i ask you will always be my friend my rescuer to whom i am eternally grateful jimmy emitted a sound halfway between shucks and damn and swung impatiently clean round on his heels grateful to be hanged i don't want anybody to be grateful i want you to love me to marry me why agatha he argued boyishly his hopes rising as he saw her face soften a little you're mine for i plucked you out of the sea i had to have you i guess i knew it that sunday only it was way off somewhere in the back of my brain you're a dream i've always loved just as this old house is you're the woman i could have prayed for i'll do i'll be anything you wish i'll change myself over but oh don't say you won't have me agatha agatha you don't know how much you mean to me before the speech was finished james according to the good old fashion was down on his knees before his lady and had imprisoned one of her hands stoic she was not to yield her eyes had a suspicious moistness as she shook her head you will always be the most gallant unselfish friend i have ever known but but what marry you i cannot why not i cannot marry anybody 
then jimsy said a disgraceful thing you kissed me once will you do it again at this impudence she neither got angry nor changed her mind a bad sign for jimmy she put his hand away saying you must forgive me the kiss jimmy jumped to his feet with another inarticulate sound every whit as bad as an oath and stood before her agatha redmond will you marry me no jim turned in his tracks and left the wood two hours later at supper jim was inquired for our last supper together and mr hamilton not here mourned chamberlain agatha felt guilty but could scarcely confess it you are all invited for next year you know she said and we're all coming announced melanie but poor mr hamilton will miss his supper to-night the poor mr hamilton struck agatha i think mr hamilton is doing very well indeed i saw him start off for a walk this afternoon jim's a chump give him a cold potato jeered aleck but after supper was over and the twilight deepened into darkness agatha sought aleck where she could speak with him alone i i think mr hamilton was troubled when he left here this afternoon she said can you think where he would be likely to go he is not strong enough to bear much hard exercise yet aleck looked at her keenly if he went anywhere i think he'd go straight to the yacht i feel a little anxious some way confessed agatha chamberlain's voice broke in upon them anybody ready to take me down to the seagull in the car as aleck started for the machine the anxiety in agatha's face perceptibly lightened and may i go with you she asked eagerly chapter twenty three